Greetings. Welcome to another installation of the House 94 podcast. Um, glad you can get back with us this week. Uh, you know what I'm saying? The, the sun is down in Wakanda, but I still got to have my sun vibes on because my hair is still uh, not luxurious as it should be. Um, give you a quick cold update for the folks who have been watching every week. Um, I'm probably about 95%. You know what I'm saying? I'm up and about. I'm cooking again. You know what I'm saying? You know, back kind of feeling like myself, not having any real lingering effects. So um, looking like the gorilla has retired and um, I think I might be straight. Um, today, we got a special guest, uh, one of our classmates, Mr. Jeff Street, uh, side chapter 94 and Morehouse College class of 96. He is the chief operating officer at Usher's New Look. And I would assume everybody in our viewing audience would know who Usher is. But if you don't, Usher is the, you know, singing phenomenon, R&B, king, legend, all of that. Um, I guarantee you have danced his music before and you know who it is, but he is the chief operating officer at Usher's New Look, which is a nonprofit that transforms the lives of under-resourced youth <clears throat> through comprehensive programming, which develops passion-driven global leaders from middle school through college. So I guess we can start off, Jeff, you can give us an, an overview of what you do, how you got to New Look, and, uh, and what the organization does. Much and again, it, welcome to the House Podcast, bro. Welcome. Thank you, man. Appreciate Thank you coming you. out. I appreciate the work y'all been putting in. Um, it's it's really cool to see uh, all y'all act as, as grown men. You know, we, we've had a lot of adventures over the years. But, um, you know, one of the things I, I really appreciate about our experience at Morehouse is the fact that we're able to evolve like this, right? Um, you know, we're still able to be our authentic selves, but, you know, each of us are kind of doing our own thing in our respective disciplines. So I need to shout y'all out on that and uh, for creating a space like this. Uh, for people to come in and have some some real good conversation. So shout out to all of y'all for putting this together. Um, so my my path to New Look, uh, it's it's a it's a, a weird uh, non-linear story. Um, I started at Morehouse uh, a year behind most of you guys, and um, I was pre-med initially, like a lot of folks that come in. Uh, you know, did that thing. And, you know, man, like about two years into schooling, um, I took this psych class and uh, it, it kind of touched me in a different way than most of the biology classes did. So I, I, I switched to a psych pre-med, uh, finished up my pre-med studies. And while I was, uh, you know, at home during the summers, I was interning at Johns Hopkins University uh, in the School of Medicine with, with the uh, Orioles team physician at the time. Uh, so it was a great experience, um, but what it what it also showed me was, um, you know, a behind the scenes look at what it is to work in a career, and uh, it was an invaluable experience in that uh, I saw a lot of what it was was cool about it, but also saw a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily hear, particularly as a young person, uh, when people try to 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 uh, pump you up into to go into different careers. So. The person I worked with, man, he was a really interesting dude, but he was miserable, man. Uh, he, he, he worked, you know, 80 plus hours a week, but he just wasn't a happy person. And I think that's one of the things that resonated most with me about that particular uh, career and, and the walk that I was hoping to take was, I wasn't sure if that was for me. Uh, so I finished out pre-med at school, um, did the, you know, I, I applied to med school, did well, but just decided I wasn't ready to go to school. So uh, I started working. I know y'all remember Atlanta Metro, right? Anybody got some stories? Oh, yeah. from, from, you know, I, I think everybody has a few stories <laughs> about Atlanta Metro, right? And that's probably a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I worked there um, in a couple of different capacities, but I, I was working um, in a, a TRIO program. For, for folks who don't know what TRIO is, TRIO, are, uh, it's a, a group of federally funded programs through the Department of Ed that uh, serve uh, low-income and first-generation students. So through these federal funds, they're able to get tutoring to, uh, you know, just remediation uh, so they can do better in school and, and graduate. So I was working for this TRIO program. Uh, I speak Spanish, so I was teaching math, science, and Spanish. And um, at the time, it was a cat at Morehouse, and I can't remember his name, but uh, this was like 96. Uh, he, 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 like, came up on some Yahoo stock. And at the time, mm -hmm. you know, the internet was like popping in like 96. It was like really just starting to, to jump off. And dude, Earthlink man. Earthlink and all that. We say? Earthlink and all yeah, that. Yeah, Earthlink, Yahoo, <laughs> all that stuff. But he made like 15 grand off of a, an investment. And it just, yeah, exactly. It, it just, it kind of opened my eyes up to, to the business world. And, and up to that point, I had pretty much been straight science. 
So uh, my boy and I at the time, we were both on the same pathway, working in the same program, trying to stay sharp for med school. Uh, my boy took a job at E-Trade. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of cat, like if I see somebody do it, I know I can do it. So I ended up uh, getting this temp job at Solomon Smith Barney in Buckhead down here. Cool. I know you remember these days. Um, we used to hang out pretty tough back then. But uh, I was I was working in this 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 firm, man, and it was a again eye opening experience, uh, seeing people making all kinds of money making trades. But one of the things that stuck out with me was the composition of the people in this firm. All right, I was I was one of three brothers in the whole firm, actually four, uh, in this whole this whole firm. So one guy was probably at the time he was in his I, I give him probably late twenties at the time, maybe early thirties. He was a partner. Uh, one of those brothers that was racially ambiguous and, and knew how to toe the line, right? And he was killing it. Uh, so there was another brother that was a couple years older than me, was a Georgia Tech alum, former football player. He did very well too. He was learning how to, he was adept at tapping his former teammates and boosters and all that to get, to get his money. Then there was this other brother who, uh, I think I probably identified most with him. So he's from a you know, humble background, um, but he was really struggling. Like he, he just, he didn't have the client base that some of these other guys had. And I remember one night where uh, all these, all these uh, white guys and I went out getting drunk and you know, when people start drinking, the truth comes out, right? <laughs> so this one guy was talking about, uh, there was this guy named Dave, that was the manager. And Dave was probably a year or two younger than everybody that he managed, right? So relatively young white guy, and this other dude uh, got really sauced up and he says, man, the only reason this damn Dave is the manager is because his grandfather dropped a mill on him. Right. Oh, he says this in, in he said Dave's that. presence? He said that amongst a group of guys and I, I heard him say it. And it, wow. so I asked the guy who I was clerking for at the time, the story behind it. He said, yeah, his grandfather started him off and got his friends to invest in him too. So he's starting with at least a wow. million dollars Think wow. about this in the mid nineties, what you could do with a million dollars. Right. So, you know, again, I'm thinking like, man, I just don't come from that kind of family where I can hit up my dad or uncle or somebody grandfather and, and get, get uh, set off like that. So for me, um, it, it, it pushed me to think about like, how can I advance my, my skill set? And I took that into business school. So me and cool, uh, we jumped in and B school at Clark Atlanta university. Um, one of the best times of our lives. Would you, would you agree, Cool? Amazing time, amazing time. Yeah. We, we, we worked hard and played hard. We but sure um, did. yeah, it was, it was a great experience, man. I got to see a lot in, that I hadn't experienced in Morehouse because I never took any business classes at Morehouse. Um, but uh, you know, we're in these, in these classes. I, I did the finance route. So my concentration was finance and learning all these different principles. And at the same time, I'm watching Cool, who's jumping off his construction business, right? And I remember thinking, I, we used to talk about this Cool from time to time, man, like, I, this is some interesting stuff. I could see myself doing it, but I really didn't have the intro or figure out how I could partner to, to join Cool's uh, business or start my own at the time, particularly because I didn't have the resources too. So I, I got a, a um, had some cool opportunities in B-School. Um, our summer between our first and second years, we did an internship and I got to work in Mexico uh, for this company called Delphi Automotive Systems. And, and cool, you remember the story, man. I had no, I had never heard of Delphi before. I had no right. interest in Delphi. I wanted to do like M&A with Citigroup or somebody like that. But uh, one of your classmates, Rafael Coleman, interned with them the year before, remember cool? So uh, we were talking about, you know, the, the second year students were telling the first year students like me and cool, like different companies to check for. And um, Rafael was like, yo, man, you should check out Delphi. I, I had an, a chance to go work in Mexico. I know you speak Spanish, uh, you might like it. So I remember uh, going into the interview with no interest at all. Like I, I, I didn't do any preparation. I just went in there like just freestyling. And it was a brother that was a CAU alum that was doing the interview who happened to be like a VP of finance for one of the units. So we ended up having a really good conversation. And at the end, he, he, he basically was like, um, and I really would love to have you aboard, you know, where, where do you want to go? And I was like, man, I want to go international. Like, you know, I want to do something different. And he said, okay, where do you want to go? So I was like, Puerto Rico. He was like, mm, nah, can't do Puerto Rico. I was like, Spain. Nah, I can't do Spain. 
Uh, and then he said, Mexico. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I'll say, fellas, like that was one of the pivotal moments in my life, man. I had a great time in the summer in Mexico. Uh, did a lot of traveling. The company had a lot of um, factories they called maquiladoras across the, the country. And I got a chance to see a lot of that and met some really cool people, uh, drank a bunch of tequila, ate some great food. And uh, it just, you know, it, it, it was just, again, life-changing experience. Um, one of the biggest lessons I learned there was uh, the concept of time and valuing your time. So I remember one time going to a staff meeting and uh, it was like a 10 o'clock meeting. I show up at like 9.50 and, and, you know, the whole Morehouse adage is what? Be on time. Be late. late. Exactly, right? <laughs> so I'm trying to, you know, put my, my best foot forward first day, get there at 9.50, nobody's there. 9.55 rolls around, nobody's there. <laughs> This is in Mexico, right? We say? This is Mexico, Mexico, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 10 o'clock rolls around, nobody's there. 10.05, a couple people start trickling in. So uh, one of the guys that I worked for, uh, he was a little cool cool dude, pulled me aside later and was like, look, man, I got to help you understand how things work here. So he's like, um, people, um, you know, during like the mornings, we eat breakfast together. Uh, lunchtime, folks go home, pick up their kids from school and maybe have lunch, and then they come back and work. And then after work, we go out, eat and drink. And then we do the same thing. And, and it's just like, all right, this is cool. He said, but I want you to understand one thing. He said, you all, um, you all live to work. We work to live. You know what I'm saying? Like life is, it's about work, but it's not all about work, right? You work to sustain yourself you work for fulfillment, but it doesn't, it's not supposed to dominate your life so much. You can't enjoy your life. So that, that was like a, a, a that's crazy. A, that, that quote is in a book, um, uh, by Dale Connery, uh, Con Connery, Conrad, Carney. Carney. It's in his book, that same quote. Yep. It's a Netflix show that's on now. <laughs> it's a woman who goes interns over in, I forget where internationally, um, she did the same thing, same scenario, Jeff. She shows up early, nobody's there. <laughs> they all roll in. And it's funny, she's like, yo, do you don't want to go for lunch? They're like, nah. She goes out by herself. She walks by a restaurant and the whole office is in there eating together. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but the, one of the employees pulled her to the side and had the same conversation and uh, verbatim said that same thing. You guys, uh, you guys uh, live to work, we work to live. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, 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 it's a real thing. I mean, and particularly for us, man, I, you know, historically we, we work harder uh, and give more of ourselves uh, to sustain ourselves. Right. I mean, how many of y'all mm -hmm. have, have parents or aunts and uncles or grandparents that work two, two or three jobs to uh, make ends meet or, or to provide opportunities for other people. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that, that definitely resonated with me, man. And it was something I kind of tried to keep top of mind, uh, you know, just across the board going forward. So uh, came back second year, um, ended up getting a, a job with uh, GMAC and their treasury group. And uh, it was a cool opportunity, but again, I get, I get to this, this uh, company, man. I'm on the floor. I'm like the only brother on the whole floor of people. It was me and another sister that uh, came in she was a graduate of like Vanderbilt B school or something. We were like the only two black people, except for like one of the receptionists. And uh, it, 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 was a, it was a weird situation because uh, I had an MBA, uh, my manager, the system manager didn't. And then the manager was working on our MBA and they were like company GM people. They'd been there like 10, 15 years or more. I think as a matter of fact, my, my assistant manager started as a repo man. So he, he had this like chip on his shoulder uh, it's a young brother coming in there uh, with a degree, and I wasn't afraid to speak my mind. And uh, I just, you know, man, I, I, I could do the work. I just didn't enjoy it. And uh, at the same time, I'm watching Cool down here in Atlanta, you know, doing this thing and, and you know, other brothers across the country doing their yeah. thing. And I just felt like I had a higher purpose. And I'll never forget uh, when 9-11 happened, uh, one of my boys worked on Wall Street and we used to just, you know, shoot emails in the morning just talking shit about random stuff and i remember we talking about something and he sends me this email like 
a bomb went off in the World Trade Center. And I'm like, what the, what the hell is he talking about? So that right after that, get the second email in all caps, a plane hit the World Trade Center. So I worked on a floor with cubicles and, and my section of cubicles was like right near the conference room. So I went in, turned the TVs on and within like a minute or two, the second plane, I saw the second plane hit the second wow. time. Mm-hmm. And I just remember standing there, like just, just shocked. And then by that time, people started trickling in and people were just, just astonished, just, just watching all this stuff unfold. And, you know, at that point, you know, there were reports of other, you know, there's the DC and you just didn't know what was next, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking like, I'm in this, this tall high rise, GMA, I mean, GM is a, a, a world company. Uh, shit, this, t- this might be the next. So I remember telling my manager like, I'm going home, like I'm not comfortable here. And I remember uh, walking home cause I, I didn't live that far from work. And I just remember watching for a day, like just watching the news. Like I couldn't get anybody in New York that I knew. All the phone lines were down. And it just, again, for me was confirmation. Like I need to be doing something that's purposeful. Like I need to be feeling like uh, what I'm doing is fulfilling and uh, that, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So ended up leaving uh, after about two years and coming back to Atlanta and just kind of chasing dreams. So hustled and did a few things and, uh, uh, cool, same person to help you get, get you started, uh, Mr. Wynn, mm-hmm. uh, uh, helped me get started in construction. So yep. uh, started building some, some houses, you know, one, two here and there around mm-hmm. Atlanta. And just really enjoyed that experience, man. It, 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 was, it was for me like- Oh, so you rich as hell too? No, nah, no, nah, I can't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that. Nah, I wish I could. <laughs> nah. Nah, I, I, be coming out with black cars and drop top portions. Hey, hey, again, like I said earlier, that, that's a conversation for another day. I, I could, I could drop some. That's what's up. That. That's right. But uh, you know, man, I think what I loved about that uh, was taking something that was raw and going through this process of beautification into this end product, and um, it reminded me of when I was working at that junior college and I was teaching. I was working with students who. You know, I had some returning college students who hadn't been in school for like 20 years and were coming back to school. And it was like a whole process really helping them to understand, you know, what it is to study again, like what it is to, to balance your time and, and sit through a classroom and take notes and look at uh, mathematical formulas, like when algebra is not your thing. That was, that was one segment. Then I had high school students uh, from schools that were under-resourced that didn't have the, the, the basis to really understand the work they were doing. So construction for that, for me, really mirrored that whole development process. And it was something that was really, really interesting to me. Uh, unfortunately, the, the market crashed right when I was really getting rolling and yeah. uh, I had to make a hard decision, man. I had to step out. And I, I ended up going back into youth development. Um, I ended up going back to Atlanta Metro and managing the uh, Upward Bound program there. Uh, if you guys are not familiar with Upward Bound, Upward Bound is one of those TRIO programs I referenced earlier. It's designed to uh, help students from low income backgrounds or first generation households to graduate from high school and then go on to post-secondary studies. So I uh, did that for about five years, uh, parlayed that into um, working for uh, the Board of Regents for the state of Georgia. Uh, I was the assistant project director on this, this program called the African-American Male Initiative. And that was targeting the 30 colleges across the state, colleges and universities to uh, increase uh, recruitment, retention and graduation rates for black males. Uh, and that was cool, man. It was, it was an interesting experience, but it was also like challenging that I'm living in a red state um, that's ha- it's a state program designed to increase black male enrollment. And as you can you know, think about it, it probably didn't get funded like it needed to be. Right. So, uh, I did that for a while, um, ended up uh, taking a job with the United Way, um, managing a grant. Uh, actually, ironically, the grant served um, university homes. Remember the projects right between? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, right the bus right? mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Atlanta Housing Authority got a, a grant called the Choice Neighborhoods Grant through, uh, through HUD. And the idea was to uh, revitalize this distressed property uh, beautify the neighborhood, and then make improvements in the school. So I managed the education port- portion of the grant. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, it served the schools, the public schools in the area and the neighborhood. And 
Uh, again, man, you know, from it, it was it was an interesting experience, but the challenge was it was it was really under resourced. Um, the the project was really sold, and this is this is me, uh, you know, on my soapbox here. That the project was sold as this way to improve this neighborhood and make opportunities for kids and families. And the reality was it was a real estate deal. And cool, you you know a lot about what happened over there exactly. with Mary and some of the folks, but. It was right. a real estate deal. So they, they, while the portion of the grant, it was like a $30 million grant over five years and $1.3 million of that was allocated to education. So that, that's not making a statement to say they're committed to change from an education perspective. And it made it, what I did was I managed the Cradle to Career Collaborative. So starting with early, and, uh, pre, early learning and pre-K programs all the way up to high school and, and post-secondary studies. But I managed a collaborative of partners public schools um, with, the, with the idea of, of, of making improvements for young people and for families. And uh, did that for a while, um, started uh, working on other place-based initiatives like that. And then uh, one of my partners on the collaborative was Usher's New Look. So I was, I was the, the funder for their programming. They, they helped deal with students in the middle school and high school spaces. Got really cool with uh, the CEO and uh, I guess, maybe just December of last year, uh, she pulled me aside and said, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to expand the organization. I'd love to have you on board, would you consider? At the time I was kind of like, I don't know. Uh, but you know, I gave it some thought, man. And the conversations picked up again in February, uh, March, we started talking and I made the decision to leap uh, right as COVID hit, man. So um, mm. it was a wild time to make the transition, but uh, I'm, I'm glad I did it, man. I, I've, I've really been enjoying the experience. I've been working uh, as a partner to the organization for years. So I was very familiar with what, what we do. So it was, a, it was a smooth transition for me. And then it got me back to working with young people, which is my true passion. So I know I went all around the world, but I just wanted to give you uh, just an understanding. Like a lot of times we know each other, but we don't talk about mm -hmm. who we are and like what we do. And I'm gonna get to why that's important later, but I, don't, I think some of y'all know, I know Crump, Lou, Cool, y'all know, cause I mean, y'all, I, I, I talk to y'all and I see y'all and y'all been with me along this way. But uh, I mean, I see Chuck, I, uh, Carl B, I see y'all all the time, but we don't really talk about what we do. So I'm very intentional. Now. I was say, this is, a, this is a damn good story. And I, I don't know one to be like, man, they should cut that shit short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good ass story, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I would watch this again. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, man. I mean, Great you know. Great story, man. And, I, and you're absolutely right about that, man. People get together. We always see each other on social, <laughs> and it's laughs and jokes and stuff, but we never sit down. And maybe sometimes we need to sit down and have that cup of coffee and breakfast. Right. And have good, yeah. <laughs> right. good conversations. Yeah, because yeah. I don't drink anymore. We ain't have to sit up coffee or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See the water, ain't no more red stripes. See that? <laughs> hey, well, shoot, man, Jeff, man, explain the importance of uh, development program in, in what you do, man. What yeah, is, what is yeah. that? So, um, you know, I, one of the things I was trying to touch on was um, I'm very big on aligning your passion and your purpose. I think you you move you move like most effectively when those two things align. Uh, you know, work feels different, right? When it's something that you care about. <clears throat> and it's something that you feel like you're destined to do. Um, you know, youth development is is critically important because there's so many lessons <laughs> that we as, as young people don't get from the classroom, right? Um, there are lessons that we learn from our friends or some older cats. Like, you know, I remember coming into Morehouse as a freshman and, uh, you know, Crump was out of this group of folks. Crump was the first person I met. I met Crump my senior year at a Morehouse alumni picnic. Um, my homeboy, Derek Leak, uh, shout out to D Leak, uh, yeah. introduced me and Crump. And uh, man, we've been, we've been tight ever since. But uh, brothers like that, you know, I remember asking you guys, all right, which teachers do I take? Like, who, who got the ad slips? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get in this class. Like, you know, and, and learning like little things like that help you to, to, uh, to make strides, right? It's, it's lessons that, hard lessons you may not have to learn so that you can be efficient and effective. So, for me, you know, youth development is really about that holistic approach at bettering people. Um, it's, it's helping young people to kind of have information that they need to make critical decisions that influences where they go. 
And, uh, you know, more important, it's, it's very, I say it's critically important that brothers like us at this stage in our lives really start using our influence in the youth development space. And I know that can be a challenge when you don't really know how you want to do it or you, you don't have a direct entry into uh, working with young people, but that's where I, I consider someone like myself or other people in the space to help all of us figure this out. You know, I, I want to be a conduit the opportunity. So, you know, folks who are in the law space, you know, remember we, when you were down here, uh, when you were, we were at Loose House, we talked about your dad's uh, program, you oh, know, right. uh, and, and how, how important that's been for young people that are taking that walk in, in the law space. Wow. Uh, that's about youth development. That's, that's an example. You know, um, so yeah, you know, for me, it, it's it's a way of giving back. It's supplemental education that, that people need to have, and it's 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 about building these networks. You know, I'm I'm not one to say like the white man's ice is colder, but what I will say in a lot of instances is that, in a lot of regards, they figure out how to create pathways or systems that work so that young people can advance and get those opportunities, right? And and I think we have to figure out how do we do some semblance of that so that we can make sure that our young people um, are, you know, are able to, to leapfrog these pile of applicants and have direction as they're trying to navigate these educational and career pathways. And it's just like that, that story that you, that you said with the white guy, his grandfather gave him a million and told yeah. his friends. And to drop bring something him. on it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? so That's we, a hell of a head start, man. Exactly, because I think, man, I think yeah. we, us right here, we can do that. Yeah. We can't do that. Cool yeah. son, get it. I say, cool, cool can do that shit. Probably do that shit. I'm a, I'm a wage earner, you know what I'm saying? For now, for now, Carby, for now. I, I barely, I barely made it to one kind of man. I barely made it over here. Good, get out of here, Carby. But, but Jeff, man, first of all, man, thank you for coming on the podcast, man, and sharing with us, man. And like you said, man, I've known you a long time, man, and I've just kind of watched it, it, it kind of as you have evolved. And man, what's funny to me, even. Back in the day, man, even at B school, you always had a, a love for kids, man. I mean, it, I mean we just with kids, you you just, you would just light up, and yeah. and that passion, man. I'm, and I'm first of all, I'm proud of you, man. I'm, I'm glad you're in this space, and um, you know, we, we want to assist and help you do great things. You know, whatever we can do, you know, we we only a phone call away. But my question for you, man, um, with the Usher um, new look. Tell me about the plan, you know, the two-year plan. What, yeah. what does that look like? Yeah, okay. Um, so we, um, you know, when you talk about what we do, you know, our, our aim is to build what we call passion-driven global leaders. And those words are intentional. You know, I, I talked about the importance of having passion as your driving force. And, um, you know, we want young people to think globally. Um, just thinking about your, your, your uh, local area or your state or your region, uh, it's very limiting. You know, I, I think I, I through that, that story about Mexico for me, um, because I, I grew up in Baltimore. So the extent of my travels was from Virginia to say like New York for most of my life. Um, I came to Atlanta for the first time when my older cousin, who's like my older brother, came to Morehouse in 85. And I think I was, I was in seventh grade at the time. And Atlanta for me was so different. I remember saying to him like, dude, why you, why you wanna be here? Like, what is it about this? But um, each year he would come or each time he would come home like for Thanksgiving or whatever. And he would talk with these stories about Morehouse and all these different people. It, it just, it opened up my, 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 my mind to, to new possibilities. And I'll never forget like freshman week, just meeting all these different brothers from different places. Um, you know, I'd never been to California, man. I, and, and my man Shakir, uh, rest in peace, Shake. Shake so lived uh, one, he lived across the hall and one door to the left, Shake and Dana. Um, and that's how we met. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's how I know you, Chuck. Yeah. 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 And funny story about Chuck, man. I, freshman week, y'all remember freshman week, we had these itinerary where we had to be up at <laughs> like seven, eight. Mm -hmm. You had to go do this stuff. I remember everybody hustling out and we get back and my man Shake is like red eyed, still in his pajamas, just waking up at like 10, 11 o'clock. We're like, dude, what, what you doing? He's like, oh man, I was kicking it with the homies. It was Nick, Chuck, 
Um, all the Oakland boys had him out, you know, in the fast lane. He would all first in the floor, fast baby. lane. Yeah, <laughs> the fast he lane. Would, he would all mop for you. But um, nah, just saying all to say, man, it, it was about it was just about expanding your horizons and thinking beyond where you are. So the the global piece is critical because we live in a global market, right? That's right. Um, there's so much happening, uh, and then with with the internet, you're able to touch people all around the world. So. Our plan is, is really trying to have young people for this 10 year span, starting with seventh grade, eighth grade, we have a program called Powered by Service, mm -hmm. uh, which introduces the new look model. Uh, we, we operate with four pillars. Our four pillars are talent, education, career, and service. I'll say that again, talent, education, career, and service. Okay. Uh, those are the building blocks that we put in place that all of our curriculum, all of our activities touches on. So when you start with Powered by Service, the way it works is it's, it's you could think of like a pep rally uh, slash school takeover. We come in, uh, we have some of our older students. So let me let me fast forward real quick. We have three programs, Powered by Service, uh, New Look Leadership Academy, and Moguls in Training. Uh, New Look Leadership Academy is ninth through 12th grade. Moguls in Training is for our post-secondary students. So if you're in college, technical, whatever, you're a mogul in training or an MIT. So when we do Powered by Service with these middle school kids, we bring our MITs in to conduct the training. So it's a power that, mm -hmm. that works differently when you have near peers uh, or people that are closer. Like this age. is where I can get to short term. It, exactly, man. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And also, like, the message is coming from somebody I relate with differently. So, you know, for a long time in this space, I had the gift of looking young before I got all this gray hair. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, exactly. Um, so it allowed me to speak to, to young people differently and relate. Like we could talk about music and all that good stuff. But now, you know, we're the old men in the room. That yeah. window is closed for me. So I have to reinvent myself and figure out how do I still have impact. So using those moguls or the MITs to talk to the young people is how we get their ear. Uh, and they, what they do is they break students out into groups uh, and they talk about lots of different things just based on our curriculum. So it's an introduction to what we do um, getting them to get familiar with the pillars, um, talking about why education matters and considering your pathway, thinking about career, uh, why financial um, literacy matters and, and you know, what you need to be thinking about. So it's a really interesting way for students to learn about um, critical elements that they'll need as they get older, but to have them start thinking about it from middle school. So think about like if somebody came to you, I don't know about all y'all, nobody talked to me like that, but somebody could lay those things out for me in seventh or eighth grade, just think of how your trajectory might look, right? You, you, you can be a lot more intentional about how you move. Like your, your, your field of study may be more aligned with what really resonates with you versus doing something that, that your parents told you you should do because you, you, should, you should be a doctor because you're good at science. So you know what mm, I mean? Exactly. You like to argue, so you should be a lawyer. Uh, that may be true, but it may not be true. And a lot of times, man, cool know all about that. Stuck in that yeah. damn blue degree program for right? real, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, this is this is you know I can talk about how like um, systemic racism and all this stuff impacts how your family moves. We don't always have the freedom to explore all these different things, right? You 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 get in school and you're on the clock. Like the dollars are rolling, you may have student loans and you don't have time to like take a year off and travel the world and figure shit out. You gotta get in school and get out, right? Um, right. And you don't, you know, you, you, your parents don't have that, may not give you that cushion where you can bomb out of one situation and start fresh and do it over. So, um, you know, we wanna try to help people figure things out earlier. So that's, that's powered by service. Leadership Academy, uh, it's a lot more intentional. So each year is built on one of the pillars. So our first year of talent is a lot about self-reflection and uh, introspection and, and figuring out what it is that drives you and identifying what we call spark. And spark is your passion. It's something that, that makes you uh, fired up and, and, and it's something that, that drives you, like something you wanna do. So we try to help young people figure out what their sparks are and then think about um, their personal brand, like how you carry yourself. Um, you know, how do you articulate yourself? And one of the things I love about this particular moment in time is that we can be our, we can be our authentic selves. And, and not to say that you couldn't before, but to me, I think there's a lot more space for you to be authentically whoever you are, whether it's wearing your hair long or uh, 
you know, wearing a beard. Uh, we're at a point in time where, you know, that kind of thing that might have been frowned on years years ago is changing. So it's 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 creating a new lane for people to really explore who they are and step into it. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about being in this position is you can really like lean into helping young folks uh, get on this journey. So that first year is really about like figuring out who you are, um, uh, trying to build your personal brand and thinking forward. Second year is about education. So how do you align that spark with your studies um, and teaching different uh, techniques to make yourself successful in the classroom? Um, third year, we move into thinking about career. So we're looking at networking. Um, and we do, we do the networking thing earlier, but we're a lot more intentional as in that third year. So networking, um, finding industries that are appealing to you and building those bridges so that you can start making inroads early uh, um, that can help you get those opportunities. And the last piece is service. So uh, we are really about building servant leaders. And if you're not familiar with the idea of servant leadership, it's, it's a different construct about being a leader. And it's instead of people trying to figure out how do people cater to my needs as the big person or the big cheese, I'm trying to figure out as a leader, how do I develop people and address needs of a, a broader audience? And that's what we are really uh, pushing with our young people is the concept of servant leadership. So students uh, lead projects um, and try to figure out how do they have impact in community. Uh, so I'll give you an example, and this probably come up as we get a little further, so I won't talk about it too long. But um, in this election season, uh, we relaunched a campaign and I, I'm, I'm leading this campaign. It's called, I can't, but you can. And I'll say it again, I can't, but you can. And the, the, the idea is to empower young people that are not of voting age to have impact on get out the count or get out the vote efforts. So I might be saying- Actually, actually run, you know, run with that, bro, because that, that's a perfect segue to one of the questions okay. uh, that was coming up. Cool. In terms yeah. of, you know, youth engagement in the political process and why that's important. Yeah, yeah. it's critically important, man. I mean, you, you know, research says that the younger, the younger people get connected to, to voting, the more likely they are to vote over their lifetime, right? And, and you, you guys know, I mean, you, you know what it's like to feel disconnected and feel like you're, you're marginalized and your voice isn't heard. And we have a lot of folks that really believe their vote doesn't matter. And we could probably argue about how much it matters, but the reality is, is that it's a critical piece of a process. It's not the only thing, because you have to protest, you have to have people in political seats of power, you have to have people on the business front that can help control and manipulate, like Goldie said, Right, that can control and manipulate these politicians and whomever, but you can't leave out the voting piece, right? So this campaign is designed to help young people think about ways that they can impact, first of all, to understand it's important for them to get involved and get educated, no matter where you start, but think about how can you individually and collectively with your unit uh, impact elections, whether it's local, state, or federal, we have to think about how do we get in young people involved in this process? Because the reality is the numbers are in young people's favor. There are a lot more young yeah. people than there are older people. And baby boomers are aging out and are not in a position uh, where they're gonna have the numbers on their side going forward. So uh, we're trying to figure out ways to get young people um, to think strategically. And we've had, uh, we had a kickoff event on the 24th where we had uh, two panels. We had a, a, a panel of young organizers and advocates, and then we have more seasoned folks like us to talk about why it's important to have youth engagement and to talk about their broader engagement efforts. So our young folks, um, actually, uh, um, Nikki Duncan-Smith from Spelman, her daughter, Edin Duncan-Smith is an actress and advocate. She was one of our panelists, and she talked about what advocacy means for her. Um, we had another young lady from an organization called Project South. Uh, she's based in New Orleans and uh, student Xavier. And she talked about her organizing efforts. Um, and uh, then on the adult side, we had Cliff Albright from Black Voters Matter Fund to talk about the, the valuable work they're doing. And if you're not familiar with Black Voters Matter, definitely look them up. Uh, we had a, a sister that's- uh, them all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean, they, they, their work, like you yeah. can you can argue that that their work uh, has really shifted um, black folks engagement to a large extent or, or fighting for the rights to get people access and you know, fighting to get 
against voter suppression and get some of these voting precincts open that have been closing magically around election time, right? Um, so it was cool to have folks like that. And then uh, to bring some diversity to the panel, uh, it's a sister named Genesis Aquino, who's a, an organizer and advocate in New York. She's a native of Dominican Republic, but a New York citizen to talk about her housing advocacy and how she's advocating for uh, uh, Latinos and Afro-Latinos. So that was our kickoff. And then each Wednesday, we've been having sessions on a list of topics. So our first session was with the Center for Law and Social Policy. Uh, we covered uh, policy and advocacy 101 and demystifying what that process is like. So taught young people about what a policy agenda is and, and how can they mobilize to, to make change. Um, we had uh, uh, brother Hassan Jeffrey, excuse me, let me put some respect on his name, Dr. Hassan Jeffries. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, he talked about um, youth involvement in uh, securing black voting rights and, and talked about- You know, Hassan and Nikki were both former guests on the show, actually. I know, man, I know, I know. Yeah. I feel, look, I feel privileged, man. I, I'm not, you know, my pedigree is not that, that high where I can put a doctor on my name, but you know, I know a little something, but uh, no, I'll, I'll jokes aside, man. It's great to see brothers, like like I said, man, I, I remember being on the yard and, and cutting up with all of y'all and now seeing people, you know, really flex the intellectual capital, man, it's, it's beautiful. So Hassan talked about um, a lot of the history behind securing black voting rights. Uh, I had Mo Ivory and Mawuli Davis to talk from a, an attorney perspective on advocacy and why protesting is not enough and why youth involvement matters. Um, I had a, a brother named Philip Agnew last week to talk about the convergence of technology and social activism. Uh, and he talked about his work in Ferguson and how um, as a, 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 a tech person, uh, he and other individuals helped to protect people who were protesting from FBI surveillance and police surveillance and lots of things that, I mean, it's, it was a crazy conversation, but much needed for young people to be aware of this stuff. Um, this week is a big week for us because we're trying to close out and make this hard push. So tomorrow, uh, I'm real happy to announce we're gonna be expanding our work into the Dominican Republic. Uh, we're hosting a session called No Puedo Pero Tu Puedes, which means I can't, but you can. It's in Spanish. Damn dog, you speak Spanish for real. Amen. You know, I know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, selling you speak more than dangerous. This is real, though. Damn, it's, it's, it's been a blessing, man. Really, well, yeah. he's extremely fluent. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> yeah, I hear it. I hear it. I, I've been in other countries with him, and he is my communicator. Hey, hey, hey I'll be like, Buenos Dias. You know what I forgot what about that. He got the accent everything, man. It's like, oh, it's, you got this shit down, man. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> no puedo, pero tu puedes is tomorrow. Um, we have students from the Dominican Republic and then Spanish speaking students from the states getting together to talk about democracy and why it's important for young people to get involved in the democratic process. And then also to talk about, to, to compare and contrast the differences between the states and uh, Dominican Republic. So I'm excited about that. Um, Wednesday, we are um, holding a voter suppression and advocacy training with a group called And Still I Vote. Uh, that's gonna be cool where people can, young people can really get uh, in-depth analysis and understanding ar around what voter suppression is, what it looks like. Cause you, you all watch the news and you see all these lines, particularly in the South, right? People right. waiting, you know, three and four hours trying to figure out, uh, you know, what they're what they're gonna do. Like how 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 I'm gonna cast my vote. Like think about that. I'm I'm. Shit is crazy, man. It's crazy, man. It's fundamentally wrong because I have to make a hard decision. Like for some people, if I work an hourly job and I want to vote and I have to take a whole day, I'm jeopardizing my job. I'm jeopardizing what I. Rent. Yeah, everything. Everything. Um, so, and in a cool neighborhood, you vote in five minutes. Right, right. That's not by design. I mean, that's not by accident. Yeah. And, I, you know, another thing on, on this tip, man, there's a, a film on YouTube. It's called uh, Suppress the Fight to Vote. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. Yeah, it's like 37 minutes. Y'all should watch it, man. It, it, would, it, it probably would be a great conversation topic because it, it, it shows how in the gubernatorial election here in Georgia, uh, where Brian Kemp uh, stole oh, yeah. from, from Stacey Abrams, it talked about uh, the length that people w went to to keep people away from polls, like you know how they scrub voter rolls. Like um, uh, you know, there may be a discrepancy in an address, like that you lived at 
years ago and they sent your stuff there and you didn't respond in time. So you get removed. I mean, lots of like crazy tactics, but all by design to eliminate the number of people who can vote and particularly people from black and brown communities. So our session um, on Wednesday, we'll talk a lot about that. And then uh, Thursday, we have a session called Your Vote is Your Voice, where we'll have um, a couple of organizations that uh, really lean into uh, organizing uh, Latino votes um, to kind of talk about their work and, and, and why it's important, again, to be active. So that's that. And then on Monday, uh, we have a session called Athletes as Advocates, which I'm real happy to, uh, to get going. Uh, we're going to add, add entertainers as well. Um, but we have uh, a sister named um, Laisha uh, Clarendon. She plays for the New York Liberty and Reggie Bullock that plays for the Knicks to talk about social activism from a player standpoint and how athletes can use their platform to affect change. Uh, so that's happening. Um, we're getting ready to launch this ch this TikTok challenge. I know y'all all heads don't know about TikTok. I do. <laughs> oh no, we do. We do. Yeah. I saw a cool, cool, cool hot girl dance on there. Yeah. Hot girl somewhere. TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a TikTok challenge to get young TikTok people. Has some to, other uh, stuff too, though. We say? TikTok has some other stuff too, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah hey, it does. That's yeah, a conversation yeah, for another day. We want you to stay away from them, them controversial topics. Go ahead, Lou. Didn't the youth use uh, TikTok to try to uh, yeah, shut they, down uh, the Trump bash on uh, Trump's? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's why he was going on TikTok in the media about trying to get them shut down. Yeah, but see, that's that's a that's an example of how youth have power, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times we 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 run this mind game on young people because we have to in our household to maintain order, but they need to understand what their power is. Like that that right there, that action right there, changed the trajectory of of his recruiting effort. Right, he had this big yep. event plan based on these numbers that were created by these young people who, who, who you know, they pulled a fast one on them. Right. They, they, they won't to show them what about it there. That's power, man. I love that, yeah. man. That's the kind yeah. of like cool, I, that's the stuff that gets me amped up, man. Yeah. So we're launching a TikTok challenge to, to get young people to inspire people to vote. Um, that's one. And then we had this other uh, initiative called Turn Up to Turn Out the Vote. And um, it's, it's through a partnership with this, this organization called Turnout Nation. Turnout Nation has an app. Uh, they work with an app called Empower. And what it does is it allows you to create a network of people that you can contact about their voting plan. So mm -hmm. I say, say I sign up for Turnout Nation. Um, Y'all are in my, my list of 10. I can, I can keep track of my conversations with you. So it'll ask me questions like, all right, have you talked to Lou by phone, text, or email? Um, does Lou have a voting plan? Is he registered? Has he voted? Is he planning on voting in person or absentee ballot? Mm -hmm. You can keep track of all this information. And what we'll do at the end is we wanna see what kind of impact the young people that sign up have on this process. So it's another way of getting them to exercise their power and see how they have influence. So I'm really excited like, about it. What do you say? That sounds like, um, I don't know how I got on someone's uh, texting list called the uh, Defend the Black Vote. Okay. Have yeah. you guys been contacted by them? They've been um, pinging me if I'm going to vote. Matter, though. Say it again? Black Voters Matter. They they text me uh, Sunday. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like the same same mission. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reminding actually, you, you know, vote. I think I, um, somebody called me, actually. And they, but I'm, you know, but our, here in Wakanda, I got a polling place in my building. So, you know, I'm just going to get up. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Walk downstairs, you know what I'm saying? My robe open and shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing it on election day, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm so, have a whole time. So, so Jeff, Jeff, I got a question for you, man. Right. What's up, man? Uh, so you, you answered my question about kids in a political process. Mm -hmm. My question is, how do, is it a school? Is it an after-school program? How do you select the kids and all that kind of stuff? Uh, so we, we work in a number of different ways. Um, so we've worked uh, after school. We've worked where uh, we were able to pull kids out of class or during like free periods or elective periods. Um, you know, we're constantly evolving, man. And, and with, 
with COVID, it's really pushed us to, to, to think differently about how we interact. So okay. fortunately, uh, before the pandemic hit, we, we set up the infrastructure to do virtual programming. Mm-hmm. And um, what we've been doing since early May was each week offering different kinds of content uh, through Zoom on things from career exploration to mental health and wellness uh, to uh, we have a, with something we call Motivational Monday where somebody like cool who can, you know, sell, sell uh, water to a whale can come on and, yeah. and, and, you know, give them this, this lift that they need to hear. Um, we talked about, um, uh, we do virtual job shadow where we partner with companies and get people to come on and talk about their career path and what they do and what it's like to work in the organization. So um, that's how, that's how we're operating right now um, because schools are not open. And even if they are open, it's, it's, you know, people are not really allowed to come in as outsiders in the school spaces. So yeah. it's been a challenge in that, you know, I think a lot of kids are suffering from fatigue, man, from, from, you know, being on online all day for classes. And then, you know, you got to roll around at five or six o'clock and jump on another session. It, it can be challenging. Yeah. Um, okay. but, you know, we, we, we really try to make sure that we're building the authentic bonds with our students. Uh, our staff uh, is really adept at, at learning the needs and, and learning the students that are in our program and, and trying to make sure that we, we build authentic relationships with them. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, Jeff, speaking of COVID, uh, what would you say your observation has been of the impact and the effect that COVID has had on the youth? And the families in in you all's program. Uh, it's been a, it's been a challenge, man. Um, you know we're living in unprecedented unprecedented times, and mm-hmm. uh, everyone is having to behave differently. It's not just not just young people. It's the people. Yeah. So just think we're all like now you're used to being out working in your different spaces, and now everybody's home. Mm-hmm. So let's think about you know what that means. Um, if I'm in a household of four people, five people and we're doing virtual learning, that means I need, and it's three children, I need three devices, right? Yeah. yeah. Everybody doesn't have three computers. Man. Yeah, right? yeah. Particularly, you know- I never would have thought about that like that. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm, you know, yeah, a lot of times when you hear- The bandwidth, the whole three computers or three uh, phones and all that stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 I mean, that's just start right there. You know, yeah. what does that, and, and, and then on top of that, everybody might not have high speed internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you add a device and you have low speed, what does it do to your speed? <laughs> exactly. Right? Especially with video calls, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so, video calls, calls me, you, me you, at work. You, exactly. So what, the, what does it look like <laughs> when you have low speed and you're on a yeah. video call? Exactly. So think about what that means as a teenager yeah. in a group of teenagers. Yeah. Carl B has high speed. Chuck has high speed. Crump has high speed. Lou doesn't. Cole Michael does. Yeah. I'm looking at Lou like, man, yeah. Okay, man. Yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you, man? And we already joning at that age anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Add yeah. that on there. So. It, it adds another layer of anxiety and stress that, that mm-hmm. people don't often acknowledge. Like a lot of times, man, I've had to, you know, when I talk to folks who are presenters, um, you know, we have this conversation where, you know, there's this argument in the education space about should students show up on video? Mm-hmm. And first, your first thought in mind is like, you know, it's respect, out of respect, I need to have you on video so I can see mm-hmm. your face. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to be able to connect with you, but that's not taken into consideration the things we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what if if when I show up on video, my screen freezes and I, when mm-hmm. I try to talk, every other word is distorted. So I mm-hmm. can't articulate what I'm saying. You know, somebody might screenshot it and then shoot it out to their networks. And I'm, I'm the meme for the week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, got the dickhead Internet and shit. Exactly. It's, it's stressful. And, you know, the funny part is the people that are making these decisions oftentimes have no concept of not having those resources. Exactly. Yeah. Because their kids all got iPads and laptops right. and they got the fucking extreme internet and all that other stuff. Yeah. They can't conceive of the fact that somebody, like who doesn't have a laptop and an iPad? Right. You know what I'm saying? They can't even conceive of that. Yeah. And then the other piece too, um, you know, the other piece too is a lot of, for a lot of young folks, the, the study meals that they can depend on comes from being in school. Yeah, yeah. So now yeah. you added the food food insecurity piece to the conversation. So, 
you know, it's just a lot, man. It's a lot to think about. And, um, you know, I, I, I you know, I, very, I try to be very sensitive and we as a, a unit try to be sensitive to that and, and offer people that space to say, if you want to turn on your camera, great. If not, that's cool. We understand. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's- And then small. also you got- we say you got the crazy parents and shit too. You got you know parents right. yelling in the background, right. and you know this right. the, the home environments aren't necessarily built for yeah. the outside world coming into your home. Right. A lot of times, people leave their homes. A lot of these kids leave home to leave that shit behind. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And now you're putting that camera right into the shit they want to get yeah. away from. That's right. Yeah. And their now parents sometimes don't have a decorum to fucking yeah exactly. You know, have y'all seen that video? I know y'all seen the the video. It's like a, a Zoom class of like a preschool. I mean, a kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, and the mom, yeah. the mom, the mom came in there. Yeah, yeah. 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 One kid yeah. is like, yeah, like yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's real, man. I mean, it is. It is. You know, it's it's tough, man. Uh, you know, I, I I'll say that that's that for me was like something I we had to really think about, and mm-hmm. uh. uh you know, parents who can't work are now at home and the stress that they're experiencing gets passed on to everyone around. Like, shit, I, I got stress. I, I know I've had some arguments in the crib that are definitely uh, exacerbated because of this this COVID thing. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, man, it's, it's, it's a lot, man. We, we were fortunate enough. We, we got some uh, grant funding to offer COVID relief to families in need. So I think mm-hmm. we, we've given out like in excess of $60,000 um, wow. families, uh, to help with utilities and rent. Um, uh, big just, time. just, you know, things to help people get by, man. You know, that's huge. But this, this COVID thing is tough, man, because, uh, just think, man, what if we were in school? What if we were say freshmen in college when COVID hit? Think about what your experience is like. I mean, all, like I told us the story about shake freshman week, I would have never had that opportunity in COVID, you know, um, yeah. standing on the wall on a Friday, you know, it, it's, it was fun, but it was therapeutic for us, man. It's a way we all got to, to just chop it up and, and, um, you know, just, just build bonds. I and mean, then a lot of kids are not able to experience that. Or what if you, you miss that freshman week mind fuck and you don't get to do that, like look to your left, look to your right, yeah, and all these losers ain't gonna be here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I remember that moment. I remember who I was sitting with. I remember the time. It was like, I don't know which one of y'all is gonna be, but it's not gonna be. I think the guy on the left didn't make it, but the one on the right made it. Yeah, that's funny. I'll sit next to uh to uh Ross, Leonard Ross. <laughs> he made it. I'll get the other motherfucker, so maybe he ain't make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, street used to be like a, a Bigfoot. How oh, I came across Meeting Street. I used to hear uh, Cool and other cats used to be like, Yo, you know G Street? I was like, I don't know that motherfucker. Uh, and then when he was in business school, we got real tight. Yeah. Got all kind of stories now. This is my brother right here. Absolutely. Y'all, um, y'all making me wish I'd gone to motherfucking Clark, man. I was in Georgia Tech, man. I just wish I'd gone to fucking Clark B school. It seemed like I was kicking over there, man. Hey, we were, man. Yeah, it was a great B time. Yeah, it was extension. Conference. Oh, man. I was in law school. They was in B school. Yep. So, uh, I got a question for you, man. Yeah. Um, I think everybody on this call, at least I hope, understands our responsibility to the youth. Uh, but in the... Uh, Busyness of our day-to-day lives, when COVID is not putting a damper on everything, people have their own corporate or um, entrepreneurs have uh, their time taken already. And then uh, we all have uh, kids who have their own activities and we're trying to raise them. But we owe a responsibility to um, those who don't have the same opportunities that we have. Can you can you speak to um, those who may be doing this with uh, their responsibility is? Yeah. And how yeah. they can work um, even when they're juggling their own things, how they can do things to yeah. help the youth? No, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think it can be it can be a lot of different things. Um, you often hear people talk about time, talent, and treasure. And um, I think that it can be those things singularly or in combination. I hope it would be in combination. Uh, but 
uh, it's just figuring out, you know, what you're capable of doing. Um, and I think one, it also starts with two, I mean, with, with uh, coming in with an open mind. And, um, you know, a lot of times we're conditioned to think that because things happen a certain way to us, that that's the right way and the only way. And something as black men that we, we have to still figure out, and I think a lot of us have talked about this uh, in this space, is we have to unlearn some of the toxic shit that we've experienced over our lives and some of the mm-hmm. lessons that were reinforced. Um, and, you know, all of us turned out fine, but it, it doesn't mean that that's the right thing to happen. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Some of y'all have been parents a lot longer than me. So, you know, and you're, you're already acting this out, but it, it really applies. I think it applies, especially when you're dealing with other people who are not your children and, you know, trying not to be judgmental. Uh, when you step into a space, not saying that's what anybody would do, because I know y'all brothers, but just mm-hmm. wanting to, to call it out, because it happens a lot when people have good intentions. So um, I'll give you an example. I'm not the biggest fan of one-off events. So uh, when, I, when I was managing the Upward Bound program, uh, and I think, cool, you probably came to one of the career days, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I would have a career day where I would get maybe 60 people from my network in different professions and bring them in to talk to young people about what they do. And um, it was good on one hand in that they got the exposure. Um, but what I didn't do enough of was on the back end is solidifying the relationships after in a way that, that um, was meaningful for not just the people who were coming back to volunteer, but for the young people that they touched. So I'm saying that to say that, you know, for us, um, I'm, I'm very big about um, uh, showing up and, and being consistent in the way you show up. That doesn't mean you got to come every day or every week, but trying to be impactful in more than just one setting where it ends up really being about you and not about the people you're hoping to impact. Right. So, you know, cool can roll in on the Range Rover and talk to the kids um, living in the bluff, and then at the end of the day, peace out, go back to the crib, and they're still in the bluff, right? Mm-hmm. That's not that's not transformational. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my challenge is to think about of the time, talent, and treasure, which of those can you share? And loose question is, how do you share it? Like, how are some ways? So, you know, one is volunteering. Um, it's also um, mentoring young people. Um, and, and helping them to, to get to know you and uh, getting familiar with the things that they're interested in and then talking about possibilities and then leveraging your networks to open some doors so that they can experience some of these possibilities. That's a big part of our work. And uh, one of the things, I'll, I'll be reaching out to folks uh, as we continue to expand about, you know, how can we create pathways into your businesses? You know, how can you, how can you, um, help young people to understand some of the skill sets that they need to be successful in a, a law firm like Crump. You know, what, what are some of the skills you need to possess so that you, what's the educational pathway look like? Um, can you help me think about my essays and how to write a law school essay? You know, how do I study for the LSAT? Because those are things like a lot of us just kind of, you know, you, you knew about it, right? From either from school or somebody in your network. But a lot of people don't get that, man. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do we, how do we create these, these pathways and these bridges to help young people become uh, the next employees in your organization uh, as, you, as you get older? Like when you're thinking about succession planning, you know, how do I build this next wave of people to take over for me? Or if I'm, if I'm a, uh, an entrepreneur and I have a product or service, how do I help build young people into a, a state where they're self-sufficient and can pay for my service or buy my product? That doesn't happen, I mean, by accident, but if we, can, if we can be intentional and strategic about how we do it, we can get a lot more people in, in better spaces. So uh-huh. that's another. Um, and if time is, is something that you don't have, you know, cut a check. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there are programs like, you know, in order for us to do what we do, we need funding. And, and I'll, I'll be candid with y'all because y'all are my family. Um, it's a gift and a curse with having the name Usher on the organization. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you mm-hmm. think of Usher, he's this high profile celebrity. Um, but the reality is, while we're very fortunate to have him help fund our operation, 
he doesn't, the funding by itself is not enough for us to, to really be impactful and expand like we need to. Mm -hmm. So for example, like when we talk about bridging out to the Dominican Republic or uh, setting up a new club in Texas, um, you know, this resources involved in making that happen. So that's another way. Um, offering internships, you know, we, we value time, right? Your time is your money. A lot of time we expect young people to do things for free. And this is where I say unlearn some of the things we had to do. A lot of us volunteered and you didn't get paid. Doesn't make it right though. So you can, you can offer internships that pay people. And that, that's a deterrent to doing something else that's illegal to mm -hmm. get money, right? I can, I can actually be working towards my craft, my future career and getting paid for that experience. Yeah, that's, that's, that's ironic because you kind of just answered the question that I was going to ask you as far as what we can do as, as Morehouse men and people in general yeah. to, to, to keep this program going, to make this program historical, somewhat like Boys, boys Club, Boys and Girls Club, uh, because it's, it's a, it's, it sounds like it is a great program because you are getting that early start with the youth. Yeah. And that's what we need because when we got came to college, it was it was survival of the fittest. Right. And a lot right. of, and we kind of like put our we put stuff, we worked together. It wasn't no competition. We always had each other's back, but right. we learned a lot of stuff at a, that point of our lives. If we would have had what you're doing, like you said earlier, man, that would have been we would we could be probably be some high power. We probably would have had a lot more black presidents. Right. <laughs> Lisa Morehouse man would have been a president. <laughs> but yeah, so um, man, man, great, you doing this is this is awesome, man. Hey man, I appreciate it, brother. And I, again, glad, man, I appreciate man. you guys for having me and, and yeah. giving me the space to talk about this stuff. Hey. I was trying to cut you off and say, nah, we appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? We've had a lot of singular guests on and you know sometimes they will drag it on or whatever this is some some interesting topic this is an interesting yeah. topic man so we appreciate your time and appreciate you blessing the podcast coming on today man hey man so, thank thanks you. brother yeah like i said look man we got a good one in the books today like i said everybody glad you know you brought in your feedback and whatnot your commentary again thanks to jeff street side 94 morehouse 96 uh hey the house 94 podcast doc the house 94.com House 94 Podcast, IG, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, Apple TV, Apple. Like, comment, all of that. Subscribe. So let me throw one more plug in there, Carl B, before you sign up. Hey, hey, please um donate. Uh, go to ushersnewlook.org and uh click the donate button. Um well, feel free to reach out. Uh, we'll get we, that link up. We'll get the link up in there. Yeah, Just, we'll, we'll, we'll the I, I definitely up. will circle back with you all, and uh we could definitely use the support. That's yeah. rude, dog. Appreciate you coming on. All right, fellas. Appreciate you. All right, fellas. Appreciate it. Deuces. Deuces. Deuces.